the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. You gotta grow up. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where your hour of power comes together with your passion to live your life like it matters. This is the one time, yeah, we get you some true therapy. But you know what we also do? We also talk about real stuff. You know, I'm a thinker. And one thing I want to do is train people how to think. You know, our brain is the one organ that never has to lose its power. You know, we have, it's called unlimited plasticity. Our brain is the one organ that never has to deteriorate. You know, our, our hearts have so many uh, beats. Uh, our lungs have so many breasts. Our kidneys, our liver has so many cleanses. But our brain has unlimited plasticity. And one thing that's made America great is we always give people the uh, fr- freedom of thinking. Amen. To plan, to make choices, to live by the consequence of those choices, to build character. And sometimes character is only built in the desert. One thing I've learned that before God takes you to the mountaintop of God, he takes you through a desert. Whenever God's getting ready to play big with you, he's going to take you to a desert to break you down, to clean you up, to get you ready. Um, As one of my pastor friends said one time, I heard it in passing and it just stuck with me. He said, new level, new devil. New level, new devil. That means if you're going to practice functioning outside your comfort zone, then you're going to hit fear smack dab in the face. And eat it don't like that. And so new level, new devil. And today... We're going to talk about law, but we're going to talk about it uniquely. You know, today I, I'm joking around. I get to be deputized and, and deputized and authorized. You know, Carmen used to say that in his one song, when his devil bite the dust. So I've been authorized and deputized. That's what he's been done. So today we're going to talk about law enforcement. You know, in the old uh, days in the wild, wild west when the law needed some help, they would authorize and deputize the public and form what we call a posse. The Free Dictionary describes today's idioms as follows. A new figure of power and authority is now present, and they are going to be more forceful, effective, strict. In today's postmodern America, we are no longer a nation of laws. I mean, let's be honest. Today, politicians decide which groups and what laws should be applied to and what group deserves special consideration. What? It truly has become, again, like the wild, wild west. And so today we're going to be joined by a, a, a gentleman who's running uh, for Hennepin County Sheriff, uh, Mark Kluko. Uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about Mark. What, why does he do what he d- does? Why is he running for sheriff? Um, lots of things. But before we do that, let me set a stage for you. You know, the whole concept of there's a new sheriff in town. 
You know, that is about a meaning. You know, I love this, the sayings that we say. Why do we say what we say? There's a good book out there that says, why do we say what we say? And it goes through the history of all these idioms. And I love the idiom that there's a new sheriff in town. Etymologically, it's meant to evoke the image of a traditional southern or western U.S. town having a new sheriff come to power, you know, to shake things up. A new person has come to power and it's going to make some changes, right? A new figure of power and authority is now present. And they're going to be more forceful, more effective, more strict. You know, magic is called sleight of hand. You know that, right? You know, David Copperfield didn't really make the Statue of Liberty disappear. You know that, right? David Copperfield really didn't make that big old elephant on stage disappear. You know that, right? Yeah, I'm sorry to break the news to you. And Santa Claus isn't real either. And the Easter Bunny's a farce. So now that you got today's information, right, there's a sleight of hand. That's magic. Well, Robert Diltz wrote a book years ago called Sleight of Mouth. It's the same concept that we can basically trick people with our words. We can distract them, and it's going on all around us. We call it a narrative. Uh, It can be called manipulation. Uh, The group formula is called mass formation. Uh, You can call it programming. How about this term? You can call it grooming. What do you think grooming is? It is interesting, men, that the bride and the groom, and yet the word grooming has such a negative connotation to it. And yet, what are we called, men, in the, when we get married? We are grooms. I guess we're meant to be manipulated, meant to be formed, meant to be shaped into what our wives need. Who knows? But today, we're going to talk about slide of mouth because it really doesn't matter what reality is. What matters is what people believe. And you look at the mess we're in, whether we're talking about Minneapolis with the whole George Floyd uh, complex or you're talking about America with the whole Biden scenario. I mean, it's confusing right now. We're being told the truth is a lie. We're being told a lie is the truth. We're being told that good is bad and bad is good. We're told that common sense isn't common and that weird things are now normal and common sense. Uh, You know, it evokes the saying, I'm schizophrenic and so am I. It reminds me of a story I once heard. A a wealthy old lady decides to go on a photo safari in Africa. And she had this beautiful little poodle who was her best friend. So she took her poodle along for company. One day the poodle starts chasing butterflies. And before long, uh, the poodle gets lost. Wandering about, the the poodle notices a hungry-looking leopard heading rapidly in its direction. Now, the poodle starts to panic but figures, okay, oh, no, i got to figure something out here. And he notices some bones on the ground close by. So it immediately thinks, here's what I'm going to do. So he settles down right by the bones, and he starts to chew on the bones with his back to the approaching leopard. And just as a leopard is, is getting in that stance, you know, where they get low and they wiggle their butt, you know, that's my cat's doing, getting ready to leap, the poodle exclaims loudly, knowing that the leopard can hear it, said, boy, that was the most delicious leopard I have ever had. I wonder if there are any more leopards around here. Hearing this, the leopard paws, starts to rethink his strategy, halts his attack in mid-strike, And all of a sudden, he starts questioning himself. A look of terror comes over the leopard, and he slinks away in the trees. goes, whoo, says the leopard. That was close. The poodle nearly had me. Meanwhile, a monkey who had been watching the whole scene from a nearby tree figures he can put this knowledge to good use. And he could use it to trade it for protection from the leopard. So off goes the monkey. But the poodle sees him heading after the leopard with great speed, and the poodle's wondering what's going on. But he figures there must be something up. So the monkey soon catches up with the leopard, 
and the leopard spills the beans and strikes a deal for himself with the leopard. The monkey does. The monkey, the leopard is furious about being made a fool because the monkey told the leopard what the poodle had done. And now the leopard is furious because he's been made a fool of it. He says, here, monkey, monkey, you hop on my back so you can watch me as I kill that poodle and chew him to bits. Now the poodle sees the leopard coming with a monkey on his back and thinks, what am I going to do now? I mean, I'm fried. I'm done. Oh, my gosh. I'm in big trouble, mister. But instead of running, the poodle sits down with his back again to the attackers, pretending he hasn't seen them yet. And he waits until they get just close by enough, just enough to hear his words. And he says, where's that dang monkey, the poodle said. I set him off an hour ago to bring me another leopard. (laughs) Now, I love that story because none of those creatures were dealing with reality. It was a sleight of mouth. No one responds to reality, ladies and gentlemen. What we respond to is our map reality. And our narrative, what we're told over and over, what we hear, what we see over and over, whether it's true or not, we tend to believe it. And if you look at now, the most important elected officials aren't necessarily present because we see now we have a president that he's not pulling the strings. Someone else is. I mean, why did George Soros spend millions of dollars electing these progressive DAs? Why did Zuckerberg spend a half a billion dollars in this last election so that he could put Democratic operatives in key states in their election offices? In the Root.com today, I read an article that the Democratic Party is doing the same thing Zuckerberg did. They're recruiting people to go into every election office and run for that seat so that they control. They know who controls the votes is way more important than who votes. They learned that in the last election. It doesn't matter what the votes are. What matters is what votes do you get counted. And so, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk to someone who's running for a very important office in Hennepin County. He's running for sheriff. After the break, we'll welcome Mark Kluko to join us. I'm Black. We'll be right back. Dogs are idiots. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Salmon fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. 
Hi, I'm Ben Hageman. I own American Pressure with my brother. Being family-owned and operated has allowed us to be very nimble and plan for demand and growth. Yes, we have machines and accessories on the shelf, with more arriving every day. We focus on delivering value by offering a full range of pressure washers and steam cleaners, and we are looking forward to taking care of our customers for years to come. Give us a call at 763-521-4442. With the vast majority of media today leaning hard left, it can be tricky to find news that actually shares, let alone defends, a conservative viewpoint. Hotair.com provides analysis and commentary from conservative writers like Ed Morrissey. Hotair.com. When I attended the Leadership Awakening workshop, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open. The tools taught at Leadership Awakening helped me discover things about myself that were holding me back from being all God created me to be. Providential? That word coins these life-changing classes because I now realize there are works God has already created for me to walk in, and these workshops helped me to see this more clearly. I received practical insights that I am already applying to be a more focused businesswoman, influential mom to my two teenagers, an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, and patient and passionate wife. I got rid of a lot of clutter in my head. BS, they call it, belief systems that were not serving me. If you want to know what it means to empower others instead of trying to control them, if you want to build a productive team in two days, if you want to press the reset button in your life and give yourself a fresh new beginning, then do yourself and your family a favor and attend the next Leadership Awakening. It's time the giant in you comes alive. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. And I'll bet your mother had a loud bark. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Mr. Black. And today, we're using the title, There's a New Sheriff in Town. You know, etymologically, it's meant to evoke the image of a traditional southern or western U.S. town having a new sheriff come to power to shake things up for that town. You know, a new person has come to power and is going to make change. And, you know, I think the the year of 2022, we have kind of refocused. You know, we've always believed that uh, House of Representatives and U.S. Senate and, of course, the president and vice president, those are the most important elections. But we're starting to see in this postmodern America and this progressive new America that's called Biden's America that other roles are really important. Today, there was an article by Franklin Graham, uh, one of my favorite gentlemen. And he said probably the most important role candidate that you can run for is school board today. Because we saw in Fairfax County, we saw in some of these liberal counties, and, and Minneapolis is one of them, that, uh, man, what they're teaching our kids, and I won't tell you why. By the time a child is five years old, uh, this is what uh, I think uh, Alfred Adler, I think his first name Alfred, a uh, famous psychologist, said by the time a child is five years old, the majority of their map reality is in place. Why do you think they want to teach critical race theory to our children? Why do you think they want to have our kindergarten teachers having sexual conversations about how they might feel like they're a boy if they're a girl? And a girl with their boy. Don't you get it? Because by the time a child is five years old, the majority of their map of reality is in place. So they want to get them at that time. So that's why the school board now is really one of the most important things you can run for. George Soros taught us the district attorney, what some people might call the top cop. Uh, he spent millions of dollars getting progressive uh, district attorneys going. So now people can kill someone and rape someone and molest someone and get out on bail a couple hours later with no cash, no cash bail to make it all fair for everybody.
right? Zuckerberg, as we know now, spent $500 million, half a billion dollars uh, to put people in elected offices in city election offices. Why? That way you have operatives inside the building controlling who, what's counted, controlling who gets mailed out ballots, who doesn't get mailed out ballots. It was kudos. It, it, it turned the election. We saw that now. So I'm going to tell you right now, I believe one of the most important offices today is for sheriff because the sheriff, the chief of police, is the top cop. And today we are blessed because we have a gentleman running for the top cop right there in Hennepin County. Uh, Mark Kluko, uh, Lieutenant Kluko, I should say, he has a 27-year career of meaningful experiences in law enforcement, working where crime and public safety are the most challenging. He's been a resident of Hennepin County for 27 years and is a lifelong Minnesotan. And more importantly, he is a family of law enforcement because uh, he's the son of a cop. And to me, that's always fascinating when you got someone, a, a young man or young woman who grows up and their daddy's a police officer and they want to be just like dad. You know, in 30 years of changing lives, I've had a lot of people come to my training and meet them intimately. And so many times in life I hear this, I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be like my dad. And I live my life in such a way that someday when my kids are posed the question, I want to hear they want to be like me. They want to be like their dad. And this gentleman, Mark, Lieutenant Kluko, undoubtedly had a great father because he decided he wanted to be just like dad. And so without further ado, let's welcome candidate uh, for Hennepin County Sheriff, uh, Lieutenant Kluko. Mark, great. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is a privilege and an honor to, to speak with you and to address your your um, your listeners. I appreciate it. Oh, it's it, it's an honor. It's an honor. You know, I'm a I'm a leadership trainer uh, by trade, and so uh, I believe it's all about the person. You know, police officers are human beings. They just put on a uniform, but they have the same struggles. Uh, they have the same fears, the same doubts. They still got to pay their bills. They still got to manage a marriage. They still got to raise kids. So the issues are all the same. It's just you put a uniform on. It's just your job is different. So let me ask you, your dad was a police officer, and when you grew up, what was your image of law enforcement, and what made you want to be a police officer, Mark? It really did stem from my father's career. My dad was a state trooper in Minnesota, and uh, he, had a, he had a great career, 27 years himself, and and uh, in fact, he'll be flying home tonight. I'll, I'll see him for the first time in a, in a couple, maybe a month and a half. Um, oh, wow. He's 88 years old now, and, and yeah, it, it was really watching his career and asking him uh, when I was young, I remember asking him what a civil servant was, and his, his response was, well, Mark, I work for the people. I, that, that's what a civil servant does. We work, we solve the people's problems. It was that simple. Wow. Well, it, times have changed, hasn't it? When, when I look at elected officials now, I don't see civil servant. I see privilege. I mean, I could go through a list. And I'm not going to do it. On both sides of the aisle, by the way, Republican and Democrat, that people that became elected official uh, had no money, were poor. Uh, and then 20, 30, 40, even with our president, 50 years later, they're multimillionaires uh, off of a civil servant's salary. That doesn't make sense. Like, how is that even possible? But it seems like now people run for office not to serve, but to be served, not to uh, basically to sacrifice, to give into people, to help people, but really to uh, glorify themselves, to build themselves up. Uh, but that's different from a lot of people I talk to today that I think a lot of negative stuff that's going on, I think it's got people back to the basics, that you're needed, that uh, there's a calling. And, and 
what you're doing, uh, Mark, is you're you're putting your hat in the arena. It is a political arena, unfortunately. It shouldn't be. Uh, but sheriff is a political point. You have to get elected. So you, I'm sure you thought about this, you know, the, the trouble of running, especially in, uh, in Minneapolis as a Republican or as a, a conservative, I should say, as a conservative. So what made you decide it's time to put my hat in the ring uh, and go through the process that you're going to go through to become sheriff? What, what was the driving force? It, it is really service-oriented, frankly. I, it's, a, it's an interesting story. I was sitting in a parking lot waiting for my child to finish his French horn lesson, and uh, I had my dog with me. And I, It was 50th and Chowan, south, southwest Minneapolis, and, and I wondered at the moment, I was, had some time on my hands, and I wondered, what am I going to do if someone comes up to me and puts a gun to my head and takes my car? What is Carl going to do? Carl's my dog's name. What you know? I'm planning this stuff out in what usually is the Norman Rockwell part of the city where there shouldn't be this fear and this trepidation that criminals are around every corner. And my phone rang, and it was an influential friend of mine who had, had served in, in politics, and he just said, I don't, we don't have time to catch up, Mark, but uh, are you interested in running for sheriff? This is late December when it was becoming apparent that the, that the current sheriff was going to struggle to be reelected. And, and I just immediately said yes, and it was mostly because I knew I had the skill set, the time is right, and, and I can get I, what, I, what I'm capable of doing and what my experience has led me to is uh, will allow me to be possibly the best sheriff this, this county has, has seen. And it is needed more today than ever. That's why I kind of, when I was thinking, you know, I told you when I reached out to you, I said, I always like to put a theme on it. Uh, and today, the, there's a new sheriff in town. I wasn't being prophetic, although there could be prophetic. <laughs> it could be prophetic. I was basically just, you love that saying. You know, we rely on saying so much and that concept of the new sheriff in town. And I got to tell you, America, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, every community, uh, every city, uh, every state in this country, I think we need the concept of a new sheriff in town. There, things are going poorly uh, in the wrong direction. They're going rapidly. Uh, you know, when you were a kid, uh, when you were thinking about your dad and growing up, man, the picture of law enforcement was totally different. I mean, law enforcement has always uh, uh, had a great deal of support. And today, uh, it's totally changed the way people look at law enforcement. Let me ask you, what do you see as the biggest change? When you were a kid wanting to be a cop and when you start first started being a police officer in LEO 27 years ago, what has changed so drastically in law enforcement? Great question. I, you know, my dad used to tell me he'd have a pocket full of gum. Oh, sticks are big red. And he, state troopers pull cars over more than the city cops. I'm, I've been a city cop for 27 years, but his his bread and butter was pulling cars over. And he'd see a child in a car, and he'd pull out a stick of big red, make sure the kid the kids had a good experience with uh, with their parent being pulled over. And um, I just that level of of service, whether the person got the ticket or not, or you know, just was was told to slow down by by my dad. Um, that was always appropriate, and and it worked. That's that's what my uh, I just knew that about my dad. He he went out there and, and formed relationships, whether it was the person who was pulling over or the child. Um, I think that as it's evolved, and we are in this position now, and and what what I saw in 1995 when I started, is we were mm-hmm. we were still making relationships, and they counted, and they we we have we had the ability to to impact people one-on-one. What, what I think has really changed is that people are choosing their information, that kind of, sort of their information of comfort, 
and they are learning and believing things that they haven't experienced. Everyone yep. wants to talk to me about a bad experience with a Minneapolis cop. I, I always tell them, give me a date, time, and location because it, we can look it up. We can watch the video. Um, and most of the, the bad stories that you hear about are anecdotal, third-party, really yep. stories that don't have a basis whatsoever. And, and I'd like to drill down on those and, and individually so that we can get ahead of yeah. this stereotype and this misinformation distortion. Yeah. Well, and part of it has become because of the culture we live in today, the whole um, the Black Lives Matter thing. We're going to talk about that later. I got some stats here, and I got a fresh new article out just uh, yesterday, I think it was. And basically, massive increase in black Americans murdered was a result of defund the police movement. Uh, and it actually traces uh, what the whole, what they call George Floyd effect. They call it the uh, Ferguson effect as well. Uh, and it has done anything but prove that Black Lives Matter. It's been the opposite. Uh, it's been destruction. Uh, it's been death. Uh, it's been a lot of pain and all that. And again, it's poor information that we're being lied to. And I got to be honest with you, Mark. Uh, I've been pulled over in the past. Uh, and man, there's sometimes I'm to be honest with you, I'm just being truthful that I was not the nicest person. I was angry. I knew my insurance was going to go up. Uh, I can't believe I was pulled over. And there were times I was belligerent. I wasn't, I'm not proud of that. Please hear that. And man, there were times when that police officer was so respectful. Uh, and I'm, I'm not being nice. I'm being honest with you. Not being nice. Uh, and he or she was so polite and respectful and didn't let it get to him. There were other times when that cop wasn't too nice to me and uh, responded back the way I did. What's different is the day they were having. What was different? The day I was having. And we're all human beings, and that's what we forgot. Uh, and so today I want to talk about the human side of being a police officer. Today we're luck we're blessed. We have Mark Kuklo, who's running for a Hennepin County Sheriff. And we'll be right back after these messages. The crime does not pay! Take a listen to these words about Like It Matters Leadership Awakening from a recent attendee. Leadership Awakening is like nothing else. It's incomparable to any other training that I've been through, and that's executive, professional, communication training, to to how to hold a fork. the, The Leadership Awakening is a deep mental experience where I was forced to challenge my mind in a way that I've never been challenged before and it's there's nothing like it there's 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 no way to explain it with words you have to experience it leadership awakening change your heart change your mind change your life go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next leadership awakening it's not only changing lives it's saving lives that's likeitmatters.net slash schedule make a difference in your life that impacts you for years to come by traveling to Israel this year. Sign up today for the thrill and excitement of visiting the Holy Land this November with nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka and renowned author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details and to register. On the tour, you'll step into history with mouth-watering cuisine, picturesque scenes, and magnificent people while visiting over 40 iconic sites and sacred places you've only read and heard about for years. Pray at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, float in the mineral-rich Dead Sea, and take a boat onto the middle of the Sea of Galilee as you experience something transforming in your life. 
Call 855-565-5519 to reserve your spot. Again, visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to book your trip today. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. And don't forget the daily radio show, Like It Matters, at 11 a.m. on Freedom 1570. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Today, we are blessed uh, to be joined by a man who's been in public service for almost three decades. He has a 27-year career in law enforcement. He's uh, married. He lives in Edina with his wife and three teenage children. Uh, he's done so much. Uh, he's a certified sports security professional. He's been involved with the Super Bowl. He's involved with presidential trips. Uh, he's involved with so many things, but he's also an adjunct professor at Concordia University in St. Paul and the University of Southern Mississippi. So let's welcome back to Like It Matters Radio, Lieutenant Mark Kluko, who's running for Hennepin County Sheriff. Mark, again, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Mark, I want to ask you about this, uh, your uh, adjunct professor. First of all, I'm always curious, what is an adjunct professor? I hear it all the time, adjunct. What does adjunct mean? <laughs> really, it just means you're not on staff. You're, you're assisting with uh, <laughs> curriculum, curriculum uh, distribution and development and helping students one-on-one. Um, in, in, awesome. In, yeah. Okay, so what what is your favorite thing about teaching? You know, I, I go to the quote Abraham Lincoln is get credited for, but he didn't say it. You know, my my quote I like to quote is uh, the philosophy of the classroom in one generation is the philosophy of government in the next. And I think that's where conservatives, whether you're Republican or Democrat, but conservative, that's where conservatives think lost it for decades. Uh, Marxists, progressives, uh, liberals have been in the universities basically programming our young children. Uh, what do you love about uh, being a professor, what do you love about interacting with children at the college level? You know, I like to figure out what, what their learning style is. I think that's very important as you're teaching and as you go through your individual day and week or further as you learn, figuring out what how they learn and, and tapping into it and then watching them grow. I think the, the sentiment that's most common and I use all the time to remind myself that uh, uh, to be impactful is nobody really knows how much Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. It's, it's so powerful when you're teaching. Well, that and that's the whole basis of community policing, too. You were talking about it where your dad would sit, stick out a, a gum of big red to the kids to make that a good experience. And I got a little seven-year-old boy. I got four kids, about youngest of seven. And he loves police officers. Uh, I mean, uh, and I, that's why I have to be careful if I ever do get pulled over with him in the car. I'm older now. I know more, I'm more responsible. So I got to remember, even if I'm not having a good day, even if I'm, my little kid's watching, my little kid's listening. 
Yeah, uh, it's important. Oh, it's true. And I might be upset. I might think I was unrightfully pulled over. I might. But now my thought process is what message is he getting? Is he getting a message that this person here is to help me or to protect me? Or is he getting a message that this police officer is a threat to his daddy? And if he believes this police officer is a threat to his daddy, then he's going to start fearing police officers. I remember about a year ago or a year and a half ago with all this George Floyd stuff, and it might not have been George Floyd, but it could have been something else. I saw an article that showed a little four- or five-year-old girl, a little black girl, a beautiful little girl, and it says she went up to a police officer, and the police officer was kneeling down, and it said there that he asked her, the, the little girl asked the cop, are you going to kill me? And it broke my heart to see that little child. And today, we got kids, black kids being told that police officers wake up every day wanting to hunt them uh, and that if they get pulled over, their life's in danger. And now you see people resisting arrest, going for tasers, going for guns, uh, and it's stunning. And, and to me, I think that's the big shift. You, you have to notice that. So to me, that's got to be the biggest change that's taken place in law enforcement, where now you don't know when you go up to someone's vehicle if your life's in danger, is that a fair statement? For sure, for sure. And that sentiment about young people and, and how they perceive their protectors is so important. In, in 2009, I, I developed a project that I'm super proud of uh, called Bike Cops for Kids. And it was really, we just had officers on bikes put a, a, a burly behind the bike full of bike helmets and tooled around the challenged neighborhoods of Minneapolis, the real hardcore neighborhoods where there were murders the night before, where there were shootings and stabbings and and uh, the little little people would be out playing in the alleys and the streets, and we would just engage with them, spend 10 min- minutes, maybe a half an hour, playing football catch with them, and that was uh, that that was profound. And and thousands of young people were impacted. It lasted 11 years. It, frankly, it, it died in 2020 because of staffing issues. We we run out of police officers to do the community engagement, but it was uh, very powerful. And it, it not only did it help all those little people, but those officers who spent the time doing that, who spent their day involved in uh, little people's lives, every one of them were better police officers, better men and women for having done it. it it's such a natural pairing, police protectors and yeah. people. Oh, it's incredible because, again, the, the, the violence of our children day uh, with the pandemic, the, uh, you know, call it pandemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. With that, I mean, I, I'm here in Texas. And uh, Cook County Hospital, I remember reading the data. That's like fivefold the amount of abuses and, and child deaths with the pressure, uh, with the financial pressure, with the fear and, and that's been with COVID where you still people are afraid to go outside with people. And so all this tension, all this people are short on money. They can't get out. They can't socialize. So now they're in these bubbles and the pressure is mounting and we stuff, 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 snap. And it truly is the little children. The little kids that pay the price uh, through learning disabilities, through abuse, through neglect. And, and I grew up in an abusive family, so I know what that's like to, to live in that type of environment. And it, it's, it, you can't grow. You can't sprout. And um, to me, that's the key with community policing. And, you know, we talked earlier on the phone about Chief Blair Anderson, the St. Cloud Police Department, and some of the stuff he's done with community engagement and safe houses and all that. It's just phenomenal. And I think that now is the time more than ever uh, for that to happen. Let me ask you, 
you're running for sheriff undoubtedly because you believe you can make a difference. Uh, someone on the outside looking out with the whole Black Lives Matter thing going on with the whole George Floyd, where George Floyd has been made a, basically a king. Where I've heard people say that George Floyd ha- is more important than Martin Luther King Jr., and I, I sit there stunned because I love Dr. King. I study Dr. King and what he did, what he gave for his life. He lived a noble cause. You know, he, he died a noble cause. He had a love for God. When we can now say that somebody who, whether he should have died or shouldn't have died, I don't want to go into all that. But the only reason we know who George Floyd is today is not how he lived, but how he died. And technically, if you believe what the jury said, that it wasn't even up to him how he died. It was up to somebody else how he died. But I think today we're idolizing the wrong things. We're rewarding the wrong behavior. Uh, one thing I learned a long time ago is called HR 101. Any behavior reinforced with a positive outcome uh, will repeat itself. It, our dogs know that. Our kids know that. Our spouses know that. Our employees know that. Any behavior reinforced with a positive outcome will repeat itself. And today we seem to reward negative behavior with huge lawsuits, with uh, victimhood status, with making people almost demigods. And so I'm going to ask a big question. And then after the next two segments, we're going to go through some specific issues. Is it redeemable? Can things change? Specifically in Minnesota with this whole Black Lives Matter movement, with the whole defund the police, where the progressive segment of Minneapolis seems to be getting louder and growing stronger. Is it redeemable? Can we change course in Minneapolis in Hennepin County? That is a big question. I do. I'm an optimist. So color color my response with that. I do think we will turn this around and it will come back faster than most people are predicting. Uh, you know, our system will likely change because of what has happened over the last few years. We, I think teamwork is going to have to be implemented at all levels of government, not only the sheriff's office, county attorney, uh, the state elected officials, as well as county uh, and the city. But we need a system focused concern um, with crime. We need a victim-focused concern all the way through adjudication. Those things are completely lost. There's victim-focused concern. Uh, We have had, just in downtown, the area where I work, downtown Minneapolis, we've had, since January 1st, we average, at this point, 165 victims of of violent crime since January 1st. Right now, we're at 186. So our average is 165. That's our baseline. 186 this year. So it's not it, it's not exploding. There's a lot. There's a big perception yeah. issue there. But what I'd like to say is that 186 victims have been touched by the Minneapolis police officers who work out of the first precinct. There's 46 officers that serve the the area. It's a very small number, mm-hmm. but each of those victims have been touched by the police, and that's that's why the police. That's where they find their their onlyness, their 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 purpose is they see the victims and they work for the victims, and then we see the adjudication process completely ignore the victims. And yep. concentrate on the offender. It is. It's that will have to change. We are going to need to maintain victim um, uh, concern and care, like the police officers have, all the way through the system. So the county attorneys also believe that, and the, and the judges, even public defenders, to some degree, need to have more exposure to victims. And then the folks that implement policy at the state level, I think they they need some exposure to the victims. And how would you do that? You just Lots and lots of ride-alongs, right? Come, come ride along with police if you want to see what they're actually dealing with. Uh, so I, I believe we'll change. I, I think the, the, the profession will evolve, law enforcement will evolve, and, and the communities will, will have to evolve along with us for us to um, create our place in the time that we are here together. 
Yeah, and it, it is tough. It is tough. And after the break, we're going to go into, you know, what do you consider the most pressing issue? We're getting ready to go heartbreak in a minute. But I want to start getting some specifics that you have. And one thing I've read about a lot, and I'd like to talk about after the break as well, I've heard there's a lot of carjackings. And I, I hear this in Chicago. They talk about, well, yes, it's our young people with too much time on their hands. Oh, my gosh. If that's a true statement, then we're in bigger trouble than anybody thought. Because when I had too much time on my hands, I'm not saying it was good, um, I I did some things that didn't hurt other people. Maybe not were not good for me, <laughs> but they didn't hurt other people. Uh, and nowadays we're carjacking. We're doing that because we're bored. Uh, that goes to the base. You know, I, I call us the examples of sponge. We're sponges. Uh, and when life squeezes us, the only thing that can come out of us is what's in us. Uh, the good book says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you put scripture in you, when you get squeezed by life, scripture's going to come out of you. If you put hatred in you, then when you get squeezed by life, hatred's going to come out of you. If you put victimhood in you, then when you get squeezed by life, a victim is going to come out. And so after the break, we're going to talk with uh, uh, Lieutenant Kuklo, and we're going to find out what does he believe is the most pressing issue facing the community there in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Hennepin County. I am Mr. Black. You're under construction. We'll be right back. One of the ways you get street cred is victimhood. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon, we're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Often the size of the fish grows each time you tell the story. The roller coaster gets a little taller, and the starry night sky gets even starrier. That's because the magic of some Minnesota moments is hard to put into words. The memories that become part fact, part feeling, but 100% real. Plan your dream trip at ExploreMinnesota.com. Sponsored by Explore Minnesota Tourism. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. TheFishTwinCities.com is streaming your favorite contemporary Christian artists like Matthew West, Toby Mack, For King and Country, and many more. Stream along at thefishtwincities.com, download the free app, or listen on your Amazon smart speaker. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening. For probably two-thirds of my 30-year law enforcement career, I spent time in supervision and management, so I've been to a lot of leadership training. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I went to a leadership course in California where I worked, and it's an eight-month program. 
I went through that program. I went back later on as a facilitator, so I, I taught leadership. What we did in class was completely different than any other leadership program that I've been through. I mean, in 48 hours of leadership training in your program, it was just, it was dynamic. It was intense. It was powerful. You know, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters inspiration, education, and application. Today on Like It Matters Radio, we are being joined by a special guest. This gentleman believes that the time is now for some change. He believes that there's time for a new sheriff in town. And so we are blessed to have with us Lieutenant Mark Clicko, who is running for sheriff in Hennepin County. Uh, Mark, big question. What do you think is the most pressing safety issue facing Hennepin County today? There's a couple of them, but I think everybody would agree that violent crime is our biggest issue with public safety. If we just concentrate on violent crime and, and diminish violent crime, we will be better off in all other regards. And I think that uh, the way to do that is to start with the high-profile violent crime that we all are worried about constantly, and that's carjacking. Last year in Minneapolis, we had 655 carjackings. That wow. is untenable. In the county, we had 702. Those numbers are, are shocking, and they um, we, we can get under it. 30, there is a statistic that over in one year's time, 39 people were arrested five times for carjacking or similar robbery-related offenses, meaning that they wow. went through the system and, and came back out. We're going to have wow. to that somehow. Most of those offenders are juveniles. We need a place to, to help juveniles rehabilitate. We need a place to put them, call it ju- juvenile uh, justice center, some, something like the old Hennepin um, County Homeschool, something like uh, Ramsey County had something similar. Those need to come back online and we need to put the best and the brightest mental health professionals, chemical abuse counselors, and the people who can rehab these young people who are 14, 15 years old so they don't reoffend and, and believe that they can put a gun to yeah. people's head and take their car. But, yeah. but you said the perfect word, the, that word believe. That word believe. See, I, this is where the, the, the counselor, the psychologist in me, a layman psychologist, just so I don't get in trouble, layman psychologist in me comes out. Because I know that everything we do or do not do is driven by belief system, Mark. And today, with critical race theory, uh, with Black Lives Matter, with the 1619 Project, where we're being taught that in 1619 a, a boat of slaves came to America and founded America, and then the whole uh, Civil War, uh, I mean, a Revolutionary War, was to keep slavery. I mean, this is what our kids are being taught. Our kids are now being taught that they're in critical race theory, that if they're black, they're a victim, and if they're white, you're persecuted. It doesn't matter if you've done anything wrong. Uh, so that my concern is, when you're dealing with, we're programming children. We're programming them that they're a victim. We're programming them that police officers are bad. We're programming them that they automatically have a right to steal, have a right to beat up somebody, have a right to do this because they're a victim. See, that's my concern. Uh, and even Eric Adams said, and Eric Adams is progressive, the New York City mayor. He's calling out Black Lives Matter. He's saying, what are Black Lives Matter? I'm looking at a chart here, uh, Mark. Total number of black Americans murdered each year. 
And up until 2019, it never went over 8,000. It was the highest was 74, 84 in 2019. It raised by about 15% a year. But with the George Floyd thing happened, now it went up to almost 10,000 uh, in 2020. We don't have the years for the numbers for the last two years, but it's going up. How do you deal with the, the challenging belief systems? How do you deal with what children are being taught through these social norms now that are, are coming normal? How do you confront that? It, these are devastating numbers. I, I witnessed it myself as well, and, and uh, I think that one of the ways we, we need to get ahead of that is to make sure that young people have exposure to multiple information sources as well uh, as they as we do as adults amen yep it, it doesn't have to just be school you know there there are other places for for, for young people to grow at church um, civic groups um, their neighborhoods their families um, school shouldn't be the primary way that we build young people it, it definitely isn't for my uh, three teenage boys um, and, and yep. my teenage boys they, they'll yep. take everything they learn from school but they, they bring with it um, yep. a level of, of, they discern, and they need to be discerning their whole life. We all need yep. to be. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's the, yep. that's the way and we do we... Well, I think you're right. And let me, you brought up God. Let me ask you, what role does God play in your life, if you don't mind me asking? I, I, I'm spiritual. I guess I, I, I would leave it at that. I, I would say that, um, okay. yeah, I don't, I don't I, it's kind of my private part of my life. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. But for me, it guides me. You know, it's my guiding. So you, you turn the other cheek. You forgive. You don't keep a record wrong. Uh, you don't keep a pound of flesh. Uh, for God so loved the world, he did something about it. So I believe for my, my faith guides me because my example is Christ. And for uh, God says why he was being crucified, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So the reason I bring that, because that's mine. Even if someone wrongs me, the way I think, what could I do? What could another person do to me that is worse than what we did to Jesus Christ? And so and God says, forgive them. And so I'm not saying it justifies what someone did to me, but God's the great judge, in my opinion. And so uh, God says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay. Uh, I'm not seeking justice. I don't want justice for me because if I got justice, I'd be in big trouble, mister. I'm seeking mercy. <laughs> I'm seeking grace. I'm seeking yeah. forgiveness. And my book tells me if I'm seeking that, I better be giving it because what I'm giving out, God's going to give back to me in a portion more. So I just I didn't want you to put you in a tough spot there. I just wanted you to know that I believe that our faith is really one of the key pillars that drives us uh, at the core level, whether people realize it or not. Let me ask you a question. What's the biggest challenge facing your campaign, Mark? It's really getting the word out. You know, I, I've done a lot in my 27 years. I've answered 40,000 emergencies. I've got a master's degree. I've led thousands of uniformed professionals in security efforts. Many things that, that uh, I would like to share with the 280,000 vote, voters that I need to get in order to get in this office. I think that that's very, a big struggle in a county as big as Hennepin County, in which we have 1.3 million people. Um, that's the struggle. So it is, it's not just lawn signs and media and, and advertising and, and it's ways that make sure that a voter is informed and, and does some research, look into the candidates. And I think that you'll find that, that I'm the best candidate by quite a long shot. That's the real struggle is um, yeah. making sure people get a chance to, to learn that and, and make an informed choice. How do they get a hold of you? How could they read about you? How can they reach out to find out more about you or to be a part of your campaign? What do they need to do? 
Luckily, my last name is unique, and I didn't have to work on this for a website. It's kluko.com, K-L-U-A-O-W.com, and that'll connect you with everything. I'm on, I'm on all the social media platforms as well, and there's a, there's a place to volunteer there. There's a place to donate and to assist my campaign so I can get the word out. Amen. So what, what sets you apart? How many people are running for sheriff? How many people right now are? There, there are a total of, uh, it, we, don't, we don't register for this until May 17th, and then it closes okay. on May 31st. So we believe there are four viable candidates right now. And what sets okay. me apart is experience and proven leadership and, and time, time in the saddle, really. It's, I don't think that the, uh, all, all three other candidates combined would have um, a spread of my experience. Just looking at the number of calls they've served, problems they've solved, they're just not long in the tooth relative yeah. to my what I saw your number, you said that you have answered over 40,000 emergencies, 40,000. I mean, man, you have a, you've had a lot of learning. You've interacted with a lot of people in a lot of crisis situations. That you can't learn in a book. That you can't learn from a lecture. That is learned in the fire, correct? Right. That is true. It's that stormy sea is a captain. Uh, you, you want the captain that's been built by, by, you know, taking that boat out in stormy seas. You don't need someone that's been in calm waters the whole life. That's right. That's definitely. Amen. Amen. So what do you think you can do as sheriff that those other three or whoever might run, what, what separates you? What can you do that you believe that others probably aren't going to be able to do? Sure, it's hit the ground running with solutions immediately. I think that one of the big plans, it was highlighted, Bob Fletcher just did something similar to this or is trying to over in Ramsey County, and I, I believe that it's a smart plan. That It's taking the county sheriff's office and, and adding resources in a, in a thoughtful way with other people throughout the state that have a post license. Due to this staffing crisis, we're going to need to be more mobile as service providers, and we're going to need to, to help each other, not just pour everything into a city, but move around the county. When you have a gang problem in Maple Grove, the county uh, resources can, under the umbrella of the county sheriff, can implement a, a bold strategy to take care of that problem pretty quickly. We're going to need to share resources as we go on. That's one of the one of the most instrumental plans that I'll put forth. I also eliminate political influence in the, the machinations of politics within a, the, the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office. That's something that I'll, I'll immediately implement, that people won't be getting jobs or promoted based off of, of who they supported for sheriff. That's, that's definitely prevalent in the Sheriff's Office, and it's destructive. Amen. And uh, your plan, I was scanning your plan for reforming the profession of LEOs is impressive. So, again, how do they get a hold of you, Mark? K-L-U-K-O-W.com. And all my information's on there. Thanks so much for awesome. having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. God bless you, my friend. And if you need anything, let us know, okay? All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. So I am Mr. Black, and you are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network, helping you become more hopeful about your future and reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. The crisis is only deepening. It's not getting better. It's deepening. The crime does not pay. Thanks, brother. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.